Well, good morning. I just wanted to let you know, um, we this this Sunday we started doing our cradle roll on Sunday mornings as well. So at the Bible hour dismissal for all the all the kids that are under the age of three, you can go to uh, cradle roll if you want. Um, that's right back there in the nursery. But um, I want to welcome everyone here this morning. It's wonderful to have each of you here. And uh, this week I was thinking about one of the really fun times in my life. And I was talking with a complete stranger, and somehow we got on the idea of amusement parks. And this stranger said, if you like amusement parks, which I do, he says, I've got a deal for you. This is the best way to experience an amusement park. He says, you can go to Universal Studios in Orlando, and there's this group called the Orlando Informers, and they take over the amusement park after hours. And so after all the regular folks that go in there, they come in, and you have this special arm bracelet that lets you know that you're allowed to be there, and they kick everyone else out, and you don't have to wait in lines. You just go straight up and ride the roller coasters, and all the food in the amusement park is free. All of it, free. I said, this is something I want to be involved in. And so I didn't, the guy seemed trustworthy, but I didn't know him. He was a complete stranger, like I said. But he sent me a text on how to find this group. And so I go and I start looking at YouTube and I start watching all these things. And sure enough, this is an event that happens. And so I said, I am definitely going to do this. And the cost of it was the exact same, basically, as the cost of a regular ticket. So I made sure I was there. When we hear some good news, we want to be part of that good news, right? We want to be there. Last week we talked about the, uh, that Jesus was up on the mountain and people were hearing the good news and they wanted to be there at the feet of Jesus as he's telling them this good news. And I talked about how we can come each Sunday and listen to the good news of Jesus Christ. We can come here, we can sit at his feet. I'm not claiming I'm Jesus, but the words that we will read are the words of Jesus Christ. And every one of my, my sermons need to have something that is Christ-centered and so we hear the teachings of Jesus. We want to be there. And today we're going to continue that story of Jesus and being at his feet and learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 9 all of this morning. And right here, Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, he's, he's, already, he's already gone and he's already uh, he's already told the people all the all the great news and the great teachings on the Sermon of the Mount. He's already gotten some disciples that are following him, some good guys, some fishermen. He has started healing people. He's uh, turned the water into wine at banquets. He is doing some amazing things all around. And now Jesus is about to come back to his hometown, his hometown of Capernaum. You might be saying, I thought his hometown was Nazareth. Well, Nazareth is about 25 miles to the uh, west of Capernaum. Apparently, at some point, Jesus moved from his, from his little town in Nazareth to the seaside village of Capernaum. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, 
son, your sins are forgiven. Like I said about Jesus right now, Jesus has gone around. He's had great teachings, teachings that have changed the way people have thought about the world. He showed us whenever you sit at the feet of Jesus, you will be blessed in many ways. And he tells us how he can bless those who mourn. He blesses those who are merciful. He blesses the meek. He's trying to change all of their mindset about how who he is and who God is. And people like these teachings. And on top of these teachings, what he's doing is he's going around and he's healing people of their sicknesses. People like what's going on with Jesus. They like all the things that he's doing. And the word about who Jesus is starts getting out. Matter of fact, the people in Capernaum, probably a lot of them know Jesus at one point, but and they always probably knew that there was something special about him, but now he's doing these miracles. And so in this story right here, it's talking about a paralyzed man, a man that can't walk. And the other two Gospels will talk about this same story. Matthew doesn't give as many details as, as Luke and Mark give about this story. But this is a story where a couple, of, a couple of buddies, or maybe about four guys, go and they grab a, 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 a mat that their friend is lying on. And they're trying to bring it to Jesus, but the word of Jesus has gotten out so much that everyone is crowding the house that Jesus is in. And so in this story, they take their friend up to the rooftop. And I always thought this was one of the greatest stories. And they start digging through the roof. And then they lower their friend at the feet of Jesus. How about that? Friends that will go through that, that link to carry him across town, to take him to a house, take him up on the roof, dig through a roof, and lower him to the feet of Jesus. And as he does that, as they do that, Jesus says something that changes how people are going to see Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is going to change the life of this man, and this is going to change the world as we know it, because Jesus doesn't say, you are healed. Jesus says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. He sees their faith. He sees that they're willing to do anything for their friend. He sees their friend is, is, is along for the ride and ready to be healed. And he says, you have great faith. Your sins are forgiven. Well, this is quite disturbing for the people. It's quite disturbing because how is he able to forgive sins? I know he's able to heal people, and he's special in that way. He has great teachings, and I know he's good about that. But only God can forgive sins. Only God can forgive someone of the sins that they've committed to him. There's been a special day called the Day of Atonement. The Jewish people call it Yom Kippur to this day, and this is when the sins aren't removed, but they're pushed forward to the next year. And Jesus is saying right now, not on the day of Yom Kippur, but he's saying to this man, your sins are forgiven. By what authority did he have to say that? In verse 3 it says, at this some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. This guy is trying to sit here and say that he... Is the Son of God, or no, you didn't say the Son of God, that He has the power of God? 
He can do something that only God can do, and it's not even on a special day where we do this. There was no sacrifice offered at the temple for this. By his very words, he can forgive sins. He can't say that. This is blasphemy. This is wrong. So Jesus knew their thoughts. And as he listened to their thoughts, he says this to them. He says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus says, why do you entertain such evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus wants them to know that he has the power and the authority. And if he's been given the power and authority, and the only person that could give you the authority or the power to heal and the authority to teach like that is from God, he is saying God has also given him the power and the authority to heal sins. And he read their hearts. They didn't say anything. He understood what they were thinking. But he was going to shake things up. And he's going to let them know exactly who he was and from this time, the world was going to be changed because people weren't just going to have to go to Jesus to be healed, but people are going to go to him to be changed, to be forgiven, to receive grace in him. And what I like about what this story teaches us is that Jesus didn't just go and say, I'm only concerned about your eternal life. Because that's all that matters. If you look at us, the scriptures will tell us life is but a mist. We're here and we're gone. So what really matters, and this is, this is true, what really seems to matter is where we will spend our eternity because life is a mist. But Jesus, even though he knew life on this earth is a mist, this life on this earth is important. And he had compassion on the people of this earth. And so he was going to heal the people on this earth when he had compassion for them. And the people saw this. They saw the compassion Jesus had. They saw the power that he had in the healing. They saw that he was willing to heal them. And so what do we take from that as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, what do we supposed to do with the people we come in contact with? Well, we need to be in, concerned about their eternal life. We need to show these people that we come in contact with. We need to tell people in this auditorium that they can be forgiven of sins. We personally can't forgive them of sins, but we can point them to the person that can forgive them of sins, and that's Jesus Christ. We have that ability to show people they can live in eternity with our God. But we also see something else in this story we see that the needs of people are important. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we need to go out and we need to look for the needs of people. I talked last week about how important it is to come to worship on Sunday, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to the words of Jesus Christ, to sing together, to teach each other and counsel each other in our songs. That's a vital part of Christian worship. We need that each and every Sunday. But in addition to that, we need to be a missional church, a church that goes out and a church that reaches those that, that are in need. 
We need to meet the needs of people. And that's why we've started this uh, For the Lord ministry on Sunday nights. We tried to make the time when all of us really have, probably have the time to do this. We can, we can do it and we can work and we can serve each other in, the, in, our, in our church family. We can write notes. We can be encouraging to one another. We can, we can go out as well and look for folks that are in need and see how we can serve them and see how we can help them. We have things like the meal ministry that, that is being put together where we can deliver meals for families that are going through some tough times, maybe have lost loved ones. And there's a plethora of things that we can do. We just have to come up, come up with it together as a body of Christ and realize that we're not just a church that meets here on Sunday, which is good, but we are also a missional church that goes out and disciple in our, in our disciples to Jesus in that way. In verse 7 it says, Then the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to a man. When people see us serving, our Lord in this way. When, he see, when people see us being disciples of Jesus Christ, by serving others, by meeting the needs of others, by also meeting their eternal needs, by pointing them to Jesus Christ, people will see that and they'll react. And just like in this story, they'll be filled with awe. And what they'll do after that is they'll praise God. It's not that we're looking for any praises of man. Well, we want all those praises to be pointed to God when they see what Jesus Christ has done and what he does through us. After Jesus did this, I'm sure there was a big stirring that happened around the town. They saw him heal, which was amazing, but they're also talking about what did he say? He said he forgave him of his sins. Who is this man? And what is he offering us? And so Jesus is still in this town, and as he's walking away from this house, he goes and he meets a man named Matthew. And this man is the same man that is writing this text right here. And in verse 9 it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector booth. Follow me, he said. He told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. So who is this man, Matthew? He's sitting at this tax collector booth. Matthew knows who Jesus is. He's heard about him. But he's sitting here, and Matthew is a tax collector. And he spent his life basically betraying his people. He chose money over his family. He chose money over his friends. He chose money over his God. Because when you become a tax collector, no one in the Jewish faith is allowed to associate with you. And so his family didn't associate with him. His old friends that he grew up didn't associate with him. He can't go to the synagogue and worship God because he's not allowed to be in there. He is unclean, he is defiled, and he is working with the enemy. He has his booth set up in this prominent place in town. I told you Capernaum was a, was, a, was a seaside town, and people there were fishermen. A lot of people were fishermen. They'd come in, they'd spend all night fishing, and they would come in in the morning with all of their catch, 
And as they go in, they pass this toll booth where a man named Matthew is sitting there. He didn't spend all night out there on the seas, but he's definitely going to take their money from them. He's going to take their money and he's going to give that money to their enemies and he's going to keep some for himself. And people didn't like tax collectors because they didn't just take the money that they that they actually owed the Roman government or King Herod. They took a lot more for themselves. So they were thieves. They were cheats. And they were traitors to their people. And every time they came in from a hard night's work, they had to give money to this man, Matthew. Matthew lost his family, his God, his friends. And the only people he'd be around were other despicable people, other people like him, people who are also cheaters, people who are also thieves, people who are also sinners, people who have also cheated and betrayed their people. Matthew's not happy with the way he's living his life, but what can he do? He can't go back to his old way. He can't go worship his God his God in the synagogue. But he heard something. A man named Jesus now has power to forgive sins. Not power to forgive sins by going to the synagogue to forgive them or going down to the temple in Jerusalem to forgive them. But he has the power to forgive your sins through his very words. And now this man, Jesus, who Jesus probably passed by multiple times as he's living in this town, looks him in the eye. And he's looking at him in the eye. He tells Matthew, follow me. Follow me. What does that mean for, G for Matthew to follow Jesus? It sounds good because Jesus can now finally make Matthew's life right again. If he follows Jesus, he's able to find this forgiveness of sins that he's looking for. But Jesus isn't alone. Because behind Jesus and with Jesus right now are his other disciples, these other fishermen. These very people that Matthew has cheated out every time they came in with their money. And they're welcoming, welcoming him in this group as well. They're going to forgive him of this of cheating them, of stealing from them. He says, follow me. It's very inviting to Matthew. It's something that he wants, but he also has to realize that there's another consequence if he does follow Jesus. What if this whole Jesus thing doesn't pan out? If this whole Jesus thing doesn't pan out, he's not going to be able to go back to his old job at the tax collector booth. That He'll be replaced. They won't want him anymore. He can't go back. Who's going to hire him in the Jewish community? He's already wronged all of them. When he decides to leave and follow Jesus, he's giving up his entire life. But for Matthew, it was no problem leaving the booth because he saw this was something he wanted. A chance to be forgiven, a chance to live eternally with, with God, a chance to have community with his brothers who are also following Christ. And so what does Matthew do when he follows Christ? Does he just follow him and he just listen to his teachings? Well, that's not what you do when you have some good news in your life. 
When I had good news in my life, going back to the time when I found, about, found out about the Orlando Informers amusement park, what did I do? I went and I bought my ticket, but then I started telling people about it because I didn't want to just go alone. I wanted other people to experience this. And so I told some people in my family about it, my brother and my nephews, they wanted to come along. And I came up here to the church and I started telling people at the church about this. And we had a group of us and there were probably about a dozen of us that went and got to experience this together. We had a great time. We stayed in the park overnight and we uh, fellowshiped with one another. We had a good time with one another. We had a lot of fun and enjoyment with each other. Because when we have good news, we want others to experience that with us. And that's exactly what Matthew decides to do. Matthew decides to throw a party for Jesus and his disciples. It says in verse 10, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with him and his disciples. If you look at Mark's version of this, Mark's version says, Later, Levi, that's another name that Matthew went by, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as his dinner guests to have a banquet together, along with many of the tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. It says there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Who were Jesus' followers? They were a group of sinners. They were a group of people that mourned their sin. They were a group of people that realized but they were poor in spirit and they needed a savior. And that's what this group is that we have right here. We are a group of saved people, those of us that have put our faith into Jesus Christ, those of us that have been baptized into, into the name of Jesus Christ. We are saved people, but we have sin in our life. Each of us. The preacher you're looking at is a sinner, but we are also saved by Jesus. And that's who Jesus' crowd was. What an amazing thing that he's so loving and forgiving. And what do we do whenever we find out that he offers us this love and forgiveness? We throw a party. We have a fellowship. If we want to be a missional church, to be missional disciples of Jesus Christ, we fellowship with one another. That's what... These fellowships, that it's, it's been so sad that we haven't been able to do this as much with, with COVID-19. That's really hurt parts of, our, parts of our celebration together and our fellowship together. It's very vital in the life of Christians. And I've seen how vital it is in the last uh, few months. Unfortunately, we've had too many funerals by friends and family of our congregation. But with this, we've also been able to offer some meals. And every time we've offered some meals for folks, especially since they probably, a lot of them haven't experienced this fellowship that we've had, that because the world has kind of changed a little bit, hopefully it will get back to normal sometime soon. But after these meals that we would, we would have with, with these families and friends, that have lost loved ones, you had so many people come up to us and talk about how wonderful it is. And they saw what the church did for them 
and their fans, friends and their family, and they said, thank you so much. Matter of fact, there was one couple weeks ago where there was a woman that came up to us and said, it was so nice what y'all did. And so many people in this in this room did, did either made meals for this or they served at this at this uh service. And this woman that came up to us, she says, I haven't been to Chandler Street since I used to ride here on the joy bus. Those that have been here a long time ago, they might remember that. I remember the bass hams. They would uh, I heard stories about them going and picking people up on the joy bus and bringing them to church. And one of the ladies that was serving with us said, well, you need to come back. You need to come and see what, what's going on here. These fellowships, we need to have them centered around Christ, but they need to show that we love those around us. You never know who we might reach. I know whenever we would do Monday night for the master and we could go to the nursing homes, the the family of people that the kids would go and deliver cookies to would come to me and say, thank you so much for what you do. And sometimes they would give $20 to take the kids out to uh, get to get uh, slushes or something like that at Sonic. They really appreciated that. And, they, and I'd usually try to refuse it, but they said, no, you have to take this because they appreciated that. We made sure they knew that we were part of Christ Church, the Chandler Street Church of Christ, part of the body of Christ. And we're doing this because we love your loved one. We love you. And this is a small way we can do this. To be disciples of Christ means we need to be part of a missional church that goes out and meets the needs of, of those that are hurting, that are lonely, however we can reach them. But the thing is, not everyone in the world is going to be excited about it. We are going to have to deal with some outside influences that don't want us to do the mission of God. In verse 11, it says, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah, I see he's doing some good things, but why is he with all these people? And people outside of our congregation might say, what is going on at that church? I know some folks at this church that I don't really like, and if y'all want to have them, I don't want anything to do with that. Or they might not like the message of Christ, or whatever the case might be, they are going to be detractors from the gospel. And maybe that might be something that's going on in your own heart. Maybe you're thinking, I don't mind coming to church, but I don't want to be part of this social aspect of the church, being involved in other people's lives. But follow Christ. He wants us to use all of our gifts. Some of us are extroverts and some of us are introverts, but there are ways that we can each serve our God together. Not everyone is going to want to be up here and speak and teach classes, though we need lots of people to do that. We also need those that do a little bit of handiwork around the church and those that might put goodie bags together here. There's lots of ways that we can serve our God. 
and serve those who he loves. When Jesus heard this, when he heard the Pharisees talking to the disciples, trying to pull them away from the gospel message of Jesus, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. And I desire, says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What Jesus says here is he is quoting God. When God is speaking with Hosea. And this is a quote from Hosea 6, verse 6. It says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What God wants from us is to show those we come in contact with love. He wants us to go out and not just be part of this church, this, this congregation, but to go out and be a missional church to show love to others. He says that's more important than just sacrifice because if you're just doing sacrifices just to meet the requirements that God sets on us, he says you don't have it right. Your heart hasn't been changed. So God wants us to go out and treat others with love, treat others with kindness. And when we do this, when we serve others, and we're in, we're concerned with not just where they're going to spend eternity, but how we can help them here. People will see that. Their hearts will be touched. And they will give their lives to Jesus Christ, just like Matthew did. Do you need to leave that tax booth in your life? Do you need to be like Matthew and get up and follow Jesus? That's something that you can do today. Maybe you've already made a commitment to follow Christ in your life, but you need those extra prayers on how to get more involved in a missional church, how to get more involved in how to serve others and be concerned with others. We can help you here. We can, we can pray with you. We can talk to you about this. Uh, it might not be right after church. It might be some, sometime this week. Say, hey, I want to see how I can be more involved in different ministries at Chandler Street. Or maybe you need to leave that tax booth and you need to just give your complete life to Christ. Maybe you need to give Christ your life. Die to your old self and be raised new. You can be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ today. And your life can change forever. You can be a follower of his and then you can be part of his church. As you're his disciple. Reaching others. A disciple makes disciples that make disciples. And that's something you can do today as well. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and sing. I am